Last weekend was the Lunar New Year, a holiday celebrated across East Asia. It began in China as part of their observation of the cycle of the moon in relation to the Earth. As many other countries in the region followed the same calendar, many other countries began picking up the tradition themselves. Japan, Korea, Mongolia, Tibet, and Vietnam all have some variation of the holiday that they celebrate a month or so after their Gregorian New Year. It is a holiday filled with food and family, and for many cultures, it is the largest national holiday of the year. Last week, I participated in my first ever Lunar New Year celebration. It was a happy accident. I was invited by a local foodie blogger named Ricky Lee to attend one of his foodie forums at a Chinese restaurant in Orlando. It was right next door to where my family works, in a restaurant that used to be a deli I would often visit for lunch. Now, it's called the Taste of Chengdu, and to celebrate the beginning of the Year of the Metal Rat, the chef there, Tiger Tang, served this group of foodies one of the most incredible meals I've ever eaten. Pork belly, chicken bao, chilled bamboo, spicy fried chicken, dried spicy beef, garlic fish, and so much more. I was surrounded by locals who all have a passion for trying new food and have made their way here because of the promise of a beautiful communal meal. It is without question one of the friendliest rooms I've ever been in. I came in wanting to learn about this little foodie bubble and wound up with a couple new friends. This group is run by Ricky Lee, who has been running his Orlando-based food blog, Tasty Chomps, for almost 12 years. While working on this story, nearly everyone I spoke to asked if I had met Ricky, and I fortunately was able to. See, he is sort of the guy when it comes to local food. I was fortunate enough to be able to eat some wonderful food with him at this Lunar New Year meal at the same table. We chatted about Szechuan peppers and smoked pork. Ricky is a prolific writer in town. He's been honored across the area for his work and even published a book about all of the best places to chow down in Orlando. Frankly, I need Ricky's help. I love food. I love local food even more, but anyone who knows me can attest there are basically two places in town that I eat at nearly every time I want something special. Number one is Black Bean Deli, our local Cuban cuisine, and number two is Hawker's, our local Asian street food restaurant. Nearly once a week, I am at one of these two restaurants eating black beans or yaki udon or plantains or chicken dumplings. Maybe I'll go over to Lazy Moon and eat a giant pizza with green peppers and pepperoni, but mostly it's Black Bean Deli or Hawkers. Either way, all of those restaurants have essentially one thing in common. They are part of the same neighborhood, all within five minutes of each other. Sort of the foodie mecca of Orlando. Northeast of downtown Orlando, stretching from Lake Formosa to Lake Lawsona, is Mills Avenue, and the neighborhood situated there, Mills 50. I'm Nick D'Alessandro, and this is Wait 5 Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. This week, Orlando's Main Street, Mills Avenue, the cultural importance of urban centers, and the ways we build communities. The road itself, Mills, is named for a man that history has sort of left behind. In almost all news clippings and official documents about the man, he is simply called by his first initials and his surname, N.L. Mills. His true name, I found, is Newton Lord Mills. He was born in 1845 in Cass County, Iowa. When the Civil War broke out and Iowa joined up with the Union Army, Newton joined up in Company I of the 23rd Regiment. 
He eventually earned the rank of colonel. He had some kids after the war. The 1880 census cites Newton with five children and a daughter born five years later, though I can't exactly account for all of their names or whether they were born in Iowa or eventually in Florida. After leaving the army, Mills worked in real estate, buying land and selling it quickly. He helped sign a few businesses into existence and made a small fortune for himself. At this time, Florida was experiencing its first of two massive land booms. The second would come in the 1920s, but the boom of the 1880s led to the development of many of the cities we now have across the state. Orlando was no exception, and Mills saw loads of potential here. He and an associate by the name of John G. Sinclair opened Sinclair's Real Estate Agency right near Lake Eola. Lake Eola is still the heart of downtown Orlando, so he picked a pretty good location. Mills built his home on its southern shore. It is there that he bought up 160 acres and opened a park, a bandstand, and in 1885, the same year the city of Orlando was incorporated, he opened the area's first zoo. Now, we're using the word loosely here. It was a fenced-in area where he would keep animals that were collected by friends of his. They were almost entirely local. According to a report by the Orlando Sentinel in 1935, the zoo had, quote, alligators, snakes, deer, turkeys, flamingos, ducks, and birds of every kind and character, end quote. By all accounts, it was a Florida zoo, literally. Tourists naturally flocked to the zoo, and along with his bustling real estate industry, Mr. Mills was living the high life. He was already apparently a joyful and boisterous man. He was reported to be six feet and four inches tall, 300 pounds, nimble and quick on his feet. One photograph I found shows him as a large man with pale white skin, a simple mustache, small eyebrows, and an intensity in his gaze. The Sentinel, a few years earlier, said about him, despite facing hard times, quote, he was still the enthusiastic, hopeful man, never discouraged, always on the eve of doing some great things." End quote. And he certainly needed that hope. He faced many hard times. Just a short time after moving to Florida in 1883, his eldest son died in adolescence after falling down a well, which then collapsed in on him. Mills and his wife supposedly attempted to dig him out, but could not reach the child. Still, Mr. Mills persisted onward. In the 1890s, the real estate company became his own and he put up ads in journals across the country saying, quote, if you're looking for health or wealth or pleasure, be sure to visit Orlando, Orange County, Florida and call on N.L. Mills's real estate agency. He can fit you out with a fine orange grove, fine lands for pineapples and all semi-tropical fruits, fine residence on beautiful clear water lakes where you will have all advantages you have in a city. End quote. It didn't matter though. His company fell out from underneath him just a few years later when the great freezes of 1894 and 1895 destroyed the citrus industry and tanked the real estate business. Mills was penniless with five kids and he needed an escape. He sold his home and land and took himself to Houston, Texas for a fresh start. By all accounts, he succeeded. He bought land again, sold land again, made himself a millionaire this time, established the neighborhood of Houston Heights, developed streetcars across the city, and even had a polka dedicated in his honor named the Houston Heights Polka. He died there in 1919 at the age of 73. 
A little over 30 years later, one of Newton's children, Lucy, spoke on her father to the Orlando Evening Star. She speaks on the ever-changing nature of Orlando during her childhood and how her father's work influenced that development. She also notes that there was another family in town when she was a child that shared the name Mills, though they were not related to one another. That family's patriarch was Robert A. Mills, a writer who had a close relationship with Abraham Lincoln before he was president. Robert Mills came to Orlando around the same time as Newton Mills for the same reason, land. In fact, the town of Chuliota, northeast of Orlando, was founded by Robert Mills and a lake there is named for him. Newton's daughter, however, insists that Mills Avenue, which begins near Lake Eola where his family called home, is named for her father. The road, quote, was named after my father, so do not let anyone else claim that honor, end quote. I personally don't intend to. Today, the area colloquially called Mills is a fairly straightforward northwest route. In fact, it even briefly runs along US-17, which runs all the way north and crosses into Georgia at where else but at the St. Mary's River. Back in Orlando, at Lake Yola in the heart of the town, it splits and reforms on the other side only to end at a toll road. The north side of the avenue is really the central element of the road. It's here that you will find dozens upon dozens of iconic Orlando restaurants, many of which Ricky Lee has written about on his blog Tasty Chomps. Whenever someone asks me for a food recommendation in town, invariably I will recommend a restaurant in this neighborhood. There's Pig Floyd's, a fusion barbecue stop with a beautiful porch. King Bao, where you can get a flight of Bao sandwiches for just a few bucks, and oh my god, they have the best kimchi I've ever had. There's Black Rooster, a little taco shop. There's Lazy Moon with pizza slices bigger than your head. Taco China, a Mexican-Asian fusion that's open late into the night. There's Hawker's, which is of course my favorite restaurant in Orlando. There are also bars like Will's Pub, where many a friend has cut their teeth at live performance. There's Conrad's Shanty, where I had my first ever White Claw. And there's Wally's, a historic bar that nearly closed down a few years ago, but was saved from the brink. There's also Tori Tori, a beautifully designed bar where one of my best friends from high school works weekends and grins at me every time he passed me by. And it's not just food and bars. There's a violin repair shop, a balloon store, a few banks, a tattoo shop, a psychic, a lamp store, a frame store, some barber shops, and more. Many of the walls around here are covered in beautiful, vibrant street art by local artists commissioned by the city. There's a mosaic of rainbow hearts covering a wall, each one made by a local, honoring the 49 individuals who were killed at the Pulse nightclub in 2016. Other walls are covered in intricate patterns, cartoon faces, icons of the city. Even the electric boxes along the road are painted. Joanne Grant, the executive director of Mills 50, tells me that getting those boxes painted was a lot harder than you would expect. We have to get permission from FDOT to paint the boxes and do all this. So they changed the rules on us, and then all of a sudden I had to submit applications, and, and they were making it very, 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 very difficult. She shows me the application. It's close to 100 pages long. It's permit after permit, including permissions concerning the artists themselves. We go through all this with the art boxes, and finally, you know, I can submit it, and I get a call one day from a gal who says um, she's working with 
FDOT, and of course I just want to go, oh my God, I don't want to hear this. And she said, and they are sponsoring a bike tour of your murals and art boxes. I mean, are you kidding me? And I said, I know you're not, you're serious. And she goes, yes, they love all your art. And so, I mean, they did a bike tour of all of these art boxes that they fought, fought, fought against. Isn't that the funniest thing you've ever heard? So, and they did a beautiful handouts and graphics and I, I, I was like stunned. <laughs> so I thought, okay, now we've won FDOT over. So they love our public art now. If you hear any jangling while Joanne is talking, those are from her bracelets that she wears. We are sitting in her office on Mills Avenue, which is actually inside of the LGBT Center in Orlando. Joanne Grant will have served in her position at Mills 50 for a decade this year. The 50, by the way, in the name refers to the few blocks along the intersecting road Colonial Drive that is included in the jurisdiction of Mills 50. Colonial is part of State Road 50, so Mills 50. The organization of Mills 50 itself is a nonprofit with a board of directors and a close relationship with the city. We have to match the money that the city gives us. The city gives us $50,000 a year. We have to raise another 50 on our own. And if you don't raise the match, you don't get the match. So part of the time, Joanne fundraises on behalf of the neighborhood and ensures that year after year, the neighborhood meets its goals. She is also representative for the businesses and inhabitants of the neighborhood to the city. So I'm kind of like a liaison between City Hall and Mills 50, um, dealing with code enforcement, permitting, um, waste management, all of the city departments. Um, so instead of a business owner having to call City Hall and figure out who to talk to and where to get to, um, they call me and I can assist them. And not every business on Mills needs to be a part of the Mills 50 neighborhood organization. You have to opt in and pay for it. Many, if not most of the businesses along the road do. And Joanne is not alone. There are 10 in the city of Orlando alone. This all started here when in 2008, Orlando's mayor, Buddy Dyer, along with the city council, began the Orlando Main Streets program to follow the lead of other national programs like it that revitalize and establish business growth in towns. Across the state, there are almost 60 other programs. Nationally, there are hundreds. They serve many functions, including revitalizing historic downtowns or to support the businesses in the area like here on Mills. Joanne makes the magic happen. When a restaurant wants the mayor at its opening, they call Joanne. When a doctor's office needs to renovate their front facade, they call Joanne. When the community wants to hold a Chinese dragon festival, they call Joanne. The neighborhood is rich with culture. Friends who work along the road have told me how communal it all feels. One bartender I spoke to told me that he just walks to work from his house just off of Mills. And not only do people live in the immediate vicinity, people like myself will travel from miles away just to spend some time here. This has been true in this city for years, but not for everyone. For one specific community, Mills Avenue has been the place for somewhat of a recurring homecoming.
At the Orange County Regional History Center, they collect oral histories, narratives, and experiences from those who lived it. A few years ago, they did an exhibit on the Vietnamese population here in Orlando and collected stories from so many who have lived and worked and communed in the area for nearly five decades. One young man recounts growing up in Seminole County a half hour from Mills Avenue, but would often hop in the car to travel to the neighborhood miles away just so he and his parents could reconnect with the Vietnamese population there. See, between Newton Lord Mills leaving Orlando and the establishment of the Mills 50 Main Street program, the intersection of Colonial and Mills was known as Little Saigon. The devastating Vietnam War that ravaged the entirety of Vietnam ended officially in 1975 as America withdrew troops from South Vietnam. Though the U.S. military withdrew from the country and washed their hands of the turmoil left behind, the region continued to experience chaos and war. The conditions became insurmountable and, as a result, 800,000 Vietnamese refugees fled their country on boats. They crossed the water, facing uncertain terrors, and many did not survive the voyage. Those who did, however, sought security and prosperity across the Pacific and settled into lives in the United States. Over the course of the following 20 years, over 13,000 Vietnamese refugees arrived in Florida. Along our central non-highway road at the intersection of State Road 50 and some random avenue called Mills, a restaurant called Little Saigon was opened in 1988. An Asian market was opened across the street. Dozens more shops popped up in the area. Restaurants, neighborhoods, homes. According to the oral histories from the History Center, Little Saigon, sometimes called Viet Town, was a bubble. Somewhere that the Vietnamese population in all of Central Florida would travel to. Ingredients for Vietnamese recipes could be bought here. Community centers that kept traditions from home were practiced. And there, on that corner, Vietnamese businesses thrived. According to an Orlando Sentinel article from 1990, everyone could see the potential for growth, and the neighborhood became tight-knit. Everyone knew everyone, watched out for each other, supported business. Other communities would come into the neighborhood and buy food, share space, live together. There is even a Tet Festival, which is of course the Vietnamese Lunar New Year. Decades pass, and in a world where gentrification rules over nearly all urban development, Little Saigon survives and thrives. The original Little Saigon restaurant still shines from the corner. A handful of other restaurants gleam from that intersection. A couple of Asian markets pepper the main roads, and Mills 50 is held together still by the linchpin that was put in place by that Vietnamese population so many years ago. If Joanne has her way, that's how it'll stay. Orlando is still growing, with new restaurants and businesses opening around the city every month. With all of these main streets functioning to provide a heart for the cities, there's a hope that organized communities will continue to sprout up and develop. There are, of course, cultivated communities, areas built to essentially force a neighborhood into existence. On top of this, rent prices in the city continue to spike, and construction on the interstate leads to daily traffic congestion and irritation. In spite of that, Joanne is optimistic. She says that we have to find the upside, the positive outcome. You know, I, I when I have businesses that complain about the traffic on mills, um, I said, you know, you got to look at it this way. When that traffic slows down, 
they're looking over and they're going, well, I didn't know that frame shop was here. Oh my God, I didn't know that vegan restaurant was there. And she says that optimism also comes from her faith and confidence in the people around her. The volunteers, the business owners, the city leaders. You know, and I have people say to me, oh my God, Joanne, I can't believe Mills 50, you've done such a great job. And I go, well, it's not just me, you know. I have a very, very good board, very active, a lot of volunteers, and obviously without the city um, support, we wouldn't exist. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty exciting here in Mills 50. I think we're, I, I have people calling me at least two or three times a week. I want to open my business in Mills 50. I want to move my business to Mills 50. I need 1,200 square feet, and it kills me to say to them, I don't have anything available. Right now, I have one 600 square feet, and I may have 800 coming available, but other than that, everything's filled, which, you know, I mean, that's a nice problem to have. Any city is established and organized by humanity and our institutions. Community, however, is an organic creation. It cannot be forced or cultivated. People gravitate toward places that feel like home and find their people in that space. Mills 50 was organized and possesses a leadership structure, but it is also the product of a century of intentional development and growth. It was a road named for an optimistic real estate man, its early developers were Vietnamese immigrants hoping to make a community that felt like their old home. It's an incredible confluence of all these ideas, a hybrid of different populations making an impact on a single space. All of the greatest neighborhoods of any city cannot be designed for community. Community has to design the neighborhood. Nowhere is that more true in Orlando than in the mismatched blocks of Mills 50 with hometown shops, diverse dining opportunities, and absolutely no reliable street parking. I already have too many amazing memories here, but those memories are even sweeter when you consider the miracle that is all of the hundreds or thousands of people that have left a little fingerprint on this place. It's the hope of every Orlando citizen, of every citizen, of every city, everywhere, to do the same. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wait 5 Minutes. I'm so glad that you were here. If you're brand new to this show, or even if this is your first episode, welcome. There are some really incredible stories waiting for you. If you're looking for a good place to start, you don't have to go all the way to the beginning. Might I recommend some episodes similar to this one, like two episodes I put out last spring about some other roads in Central Florida, Division Avenue, which also runs through Orlando, and Interstate 4, which cuts the state in half and is a daily headache for me. If you did enjoy this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review below. It helps the show become more visible, and honestly, it brightens my day. You can also find me and share the episodes on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WFMPod. If you want to send me a message, you can do so at WFMPod at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. 
I'd like to give a very special thank you to Joanne Grant. The work that she does is amazing, and if you want to support Mills 50, you can do so at the link below. I would also like to give a special thank you to Ricky Lee, who is the nicest guy around, and his work is just amazing. Go check out his blog as well. I would also like to give a special thank you to my friend Melissa Procco at the Orange County Regional History Center who helped me with so much of the research on this project. Please go check out what the History Center is up to. They are an amazing institution. You can also do some additional reading about Mills 50 and the Main Street programs in Florida at the links below. Thanks to Lauren Nix for artwork used on the social media channels. You can find more of her art at lauren.nix.photo on Instagram. Her last name is spelt N-I-X. All the music used in this episode is from Lobo Loco. You can find more of their fabulous music at the link below. Next week, I found a very strange poem, and it took me on a really exciting journey. I'll see you next Monday with a brand new episode. Until then, I'm Nick D'Alessandro. Be good to yourself, be good to others, and please drink more water. Have a good week. <laughs>